0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. We hope everybody's doing okay. Are you ready for Sunday morning service? Well, I know this has been a few weeks now that we've been having to meet in the church with you at home. But I think by now you guys are getting the hang of it. But please don't get too comfortable with this because we're believing in Jesus' name very soon that we're going to be able to meet back in here in person. But until we get to meet in person again in the house of God... I wanna just encourage you guys. Each and every one of us have heard this scripture or we've said it ourselves, that when two or three of us are gathered in the name of Jesus, that he's in the midst of us. Now, I know that that should be enough to encourage us, but I wanna read that scripture to you as we get started this morning in context. It says in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 18, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is what I want to encourage you in this morning, beloved. I know that you may be standing around the television set, your bedroom, wherever you are watching this service with your husband, your wife, your children, maybe your friends are gathered around with you, but I want to tell you something, that as you are gathered there this morning and watching this service live, or if you're watching it on the replay, wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, whoever you are with, if you are there gathered in His name, Jesus promises to be right there with you. He said, if any two of you on earth agree concerning anything that they ask of my Father in heaven it shall be done unto you you know I don't want you to go through the motions this morning and just say hey I'm sipping on my coffee I'm on my couch we're going to just kind of zone out and watch this service no I want you to be a participator because Jesus promised that he would be right there where you are and I know that I know that I know that there are many people watching right now that you have a great need in your life you may need healing in your body you may need a financial breakthrough you may need deliverance you may need salvation this morning and I can tell you this that whatever it is that you need Jesus is right there with you and he promises that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think of him and so this is what I want you to do I want to challenge you right now to look at those that are surrounding you come into agreement first of all that Jesus is with you and then what do you need this morning what do you need from your Savior what do you need from the Living Lamb of God he is with you where you are right now and we are not just worshiping some far-off God that that is not personable and doesn't see us and hear us and know us no he's with you right now and I want you to look at this thing differently this morning That whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you ask for, if you agree with those that are around you in the name of Jesus, he promises that he will do it. And so we stand on your word today, Father God. This morning as we enter into your gates with praise and your courts with thanksgiving, we know, God, that you are alive. We know that your word is true, and you are the faithful one, Father. So we come this morning with this great expectation that anything is possible in your presence. You see, it's not about a building, Father, but it's about your presence. And wherever we are right now, if we call upon your name, you promise to be with us. And wherever you are, all things are possible. And so I declare this morning is a day of miracles. I declare that this time in your presence, anything can happen, Lord. And so we submit our hearts to you, and we thank you, Father, that you are with us. So, Lord, we pray that as we lift our hands and we bow our hearts before you today, that you would inhabit the praises of your people, that you would begin to move within our midst. So, Jesus, we give you this time, and we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to just get ready to worship because I've been in here as the team's been practicing and just lifting up their voices to God, and the presence of God has filled this place, and I know that the same thing is going to happen where you are. Amen? Begin to worship Jesus with us.
1: She's not see my soul. Sit uh, the that's watching this video watching this or listening to this this audio I just I just pray that you wouldn't be stuck in a grave you wouldn't let yourself be stuck in a rut you wouldn't let yourself be stuck in the addiction or stuck in the problems or stuck in anything else but you'd be just fix your eyes on the King fix your eyes on our Lord and Savior that has everything in his hands that has everything under control that has not been taken by surprise but knows it all he knows the end before the beginning he knows he knows what you're going through he knows the financial problem you might be going through he knows the the health problem you might be going through it hasn't taken him by surprise but he's still worthy to be praised I'm not going to stop worshiping I'm not going to stop praising because of my situation and my situation is not going to dictate who my God is My situation is not going to dictate how big my God is. Because he is still the creator. He is still the great I am. He is still the alpha, the omega. He is still the beginning and the end. He knows the past. He knows the future. And he sees it all in between. He's still my God. And I'm going to worship him no matter what I'm going through. I'm going to praise him no matter what I'm going through because it's all worth it because he's worthy he's worthy, he's worthy he's worthy it's all worth it if I wait till I'm feeling great to praise him, it'll never happen if I only worship him when things are going good then he's not much of a God to me if I only praise him when things are going great then he's not truly my Lord If I only lift him up when things are going great and there's plenty of money in the bank, then he's not my savior. He's not my provider. He's not my healer if I can't glorify his holy name no matter what the situation. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be worth it It's gonna be worth it all. gonna be worth it True. Say fill every house, oh, not enough, unless you come, will you meet me here again?
0: of this song where we just declare even when I don't see it I know that you're working even when I don't feel it I know that you're working and I know the point of this song is to invoke faith because miracles take faith because God is a miracle working God but he does things in a miraculous way where there seems to be no way and that is what the essence of a miracle is that it's faith that we grab a hold of it by faith but I want to tell you something to something, uh, church that we're singing even though I don't see it, you're working. I hope that you see today how God is working. Even though I don't feel it, you're working. I, I want to tell you why we were singing the songs, like, Lord, I, I know what we're singing about and understand the of a miracle and faith but Lord you are doing something in the earth today that is so evident that you are opening the eyes of your people people of God I want you to hear me this morning open your eyes and I want you to see what God is doing in the earth you know I quit watching the news a few days ago because I just can't take the narrative of the negative and fear mongering media but this is a phrase that has been going around this is our new normal And I've gotten to the point where I I hate a few phrases in this season. I know that's a strong word. So let me say I strongly despise a few phrases in this season. Like social distancing and new normal. But God has been speaking to my heart about this thing, new normal. And although the world is calling this a new normal, and they're giving in to fear and social distancing and all this stuff, I want to tell you that the church has entered into a season of a new normal. And it's the normal that we have been preaching about for years. It is the book of Acts. It is the church being the church, the moving of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders. And I want to tell you today, I hope that you see what God is doing. I hope that you feel what God is doing. because we are entering into a season of a new normal. This is the new normal, not being apart from one another, but what God is doing in the earth. I want to declare to you today, get ready. It's never going to be the way that it used to be. I want to give you a warning and a declaration. It will never be the way that it used to be, that we are entering into a season in the church of a new normal that is not new to God at all, that it is God's original intent for his people to be a people of faith, solely dependent on him, moving in miracles and signs and wonders. And so this morning, God, we declare, I know what faith is and what miracles are, but Lord, we declare, we see what you're doing. You often say, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, give us eyes that we may see, give us ears that we may hear. Give us hearts to understand and to discern what you are doing in the earth today. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your miracle working power. We thank you, Lord, that this is going to be our new normal, that we are going to see the hand of God moving in miraculous ways, God, as we have never seen before. And you are going to allow your people to participate in what you are doing. So, Father, we thank you for these things. You know, we want to welcome you again to our Sunday morning service. Maybe you weren't able to tune in at the beginning of worship and you just got on. It's all right. Good morning. We love you. And we continue to say every Sunday morning, we miss you so much. I know that, that it's hard being a part, but trust me, believe me, I want you to remember this. God is doing something in this season. Don't miss it. Don't miss it and don't waste it. Because what God is doing is going to take us to the next step when we come back together. And I can't even wait for what the Holy Spirit's going to do. But I know every week that goes by that it continues to be this way, that God has a purpose in it, that He's doing more and more in His people. Amen. But we want to just go ahead and continue to thank you guys for your faithful support to the ministry and to the house of God and to the kingdom of God, what the Lord is doing. You know, I realized something about God that He never... He doesn't change and He doesn't take time off, if you will, that God, He is who He is and He always remains the same. And you know what? That's a picture of what we should be like. We should be like our Heavenly Father, that no matter what season we are in, we should display the fruit of the Spirit. We should display that love, joy, and peace and self-control. And We should be like our Father and also we should continue to be generous. You know, there are so many ways that God can use us to be generous in this hour. But you know what? The first person that I want to be generous to is Jesus. I want to say, God, thank you for your financial blessings. Thank you for taking care of my family in this time. And I want to bring offerings of sacrifice to the Lord in this season. And so we want to thank you for your continued giving and faithfulness. And we just want to remind you that I know a lot of people some are still asking, well, well how can I, I give to the church in this time when I can't come in person? Well, you can mail a check uh, to the church. You can give online on our app you can go to the website there's also a text to give and so whatever way that that works for you just continue let me challenge you continue to be faithful to God in this season we have a work to do not only in this city but in the nations of the world God is going to use life church for his glory i believe that and so we want to welcome you again. Thank you for, for tuning in Sunday morning, or maybe you're watching this later. You're not here by accident. God has a word for you today. So I want you to get your family, get your Bibles, open the word of God, and get ready to receive what I believe this morning is a of word from God. Pastor Bob has a word, and we're ready to hear it. Amen? Amen.
2: the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate that so much. How awesome it is to be able to be connected with family from all over the world. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how to find the metrics on social media, but I know that through Sermon.net, our, our application that we use and Roku channel, uh, we can see the statistics and we can see where we reach And, for example, Easter Sunday, uh, the message went into 21 different countries and all over the United States, and I was just blown away when I saw that. And I said, God, there's no telling. When we get to heaven, the people that will have been touched by messages preached from this pulpit over the airwaves, if I can put it that way, that's the old-fashioned way of saying it. <laughs> over, the, over the internet, and so, uh, amen. And I, I just want to say something along the same way. Pastor Ellie was talking about being faithful to the Lord and our giving. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this the other day. Now, I know a lot of people haven't received their government stimulus check or yet or whatever, but I... I'm one that did. I'm surprised, but I, I figured they went alphabetically and Z would be definitely be last, but evidently it didn't work that way. But I thought about it the other day and when they got it, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit said, look, if I can cause a raven, which is a scavenger bird, to bring su- sustenance to the prophet, I just, ca- I just caused the government to send seeds from heaven for you to plant into the kingdom. And I said, that's pretty good. I'm not saying the government's a scavenger. I'm not saying that. But anyway, they usually take. They don't usually give. So anyway, it's, it's a different way of thinking about it. But I want to read this morning beginning from Luke's, uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45 through 48. Now let me set this up for a minute. This is taking place after the feeding of the 5,000. Okay? This is recorded in three different Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and John's Gospel. And this is Mark's Gospel, and there's a specific reason why I'm reading from this. And it says, Immediately he compelled his disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side in Bethsaida. While he went, he sent the crowd away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. And when evening came... The boat was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on land. And he saw them straining at rowing. He's talking about Jesus saw the disciples straining at rowing in the middle of the night because of the storm, the winds that had picked up. It says, For the wind was against them. It says, About the fourth watch of the night, which would be like from 3 in the morning till 6 in the morning. And if you've ever worked night shift like I have, That's the darkest part of the night. Right before the sun comes up, there's something about that time. But it says, He came to them walking on the sea. And I want you to notice the last five words here, or six words. And would have passed by them. The message is simply titled, When Jesus Passes By. Again, this has been an incredible day for Jesus and his disciples. He took a few loaves of bread, a couple of fish. He broke them. He fed thousands of people with it. Not only did he feed them, there were leftovers. That's something we've never heard of in Cajun territory. I guarantee you when we have dinners, there's hardly anything ever left over. But the disciples have just experienced something beyond their wildest imagination. For sure they were thinking after it was all over. I imagine when they picked up the last bit of the the remains of the food <clears throat> and the baskets around there, they looked at each one another and slapping each other on the back going, guys, it doesn't get any better than this. And then Jesus, the Bible says, sends the disciples into the boat to go before him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when he... So he can dismiss the crowds. And so after he's dismissed the crowds, he's gone up into the mountain to pray. And we find the disciples have been sent by Christ into the lake at night. In verse 45 of Mark 6. I want you to notice something. It says immediately he compelled his disciples to get in the boat and go before him to the other side. Now, what you need to understand is that all but a few of these guys were raised on the water. They were fishermen, and every one of them began sailing as young boys. I guarantee you they started pulling nets with their dads or somebody when they were young. That The lake had literally been their classroom, their office, their home away from home. And so why was it necessary that Mark says that, and and the other gospels say this too, that Jesus compelled his disciples to get into the boat. The word compelled means constrained, which means to oblige, force, pressure, or make them do something. Now, when I think of being compelled or forced to do something, that's not a positive thing. To be pressured into doing something is not something that I like at all. When I was younger, I would let people do that. Now that I'm older, I don't let people do that. I just say, if I don't want to do it, I'm just saying I'm not going to do it. But Jesus compelled his disciples to get in and go across why? I've asked myself, why would he do that? And, and, and we can only speculate about this. But having traveled in a national ministry before, in my early years, my wife and I traveled for more than a couple of years in the early part of the charismatic move <clears throat> among the big, big names of ministry, we worked with one of them. And <clears throat> and, and um, I, I can I can kind of just draw from that experience a little bit. First of all, After a convention, a weekend convention or a week-long convention, you're tired. And you just feel like collapsing. You're like, well, I'll do this tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, this is not important. Maybe they were just tired and wanted to rest. I mean, really, it's been an all-day preaching thing. And then Jesus does the miracle to feed 5,000 men, it says. That means there were women and children present. There were thousands There was no assembly line, drive-through, or anything like that. They had to feed them, and then they had to collect the remnants from among them. So maybe they were just tired. Or, I know after those conventions, usually the guy we worked for, he would say, All right, you and Amanda head to such and such, and I'll see you there in three days. And we, we didn't want to go. We wanted to just kind of hang out with him for, for a day, you know, hang out with him for a few more hours, kind of like basking in the glory of the afterglow, so to speak. Um, maybe he, you know, not only that, didn't want to miss out on something that might happen. And so for whatever reason, their job was simply to cross to the other side. Jesus compelled them and made them get in the other side. And here's something I want you to understand. Jesus sent his disciples into the boat across the Sea of Galilee knowing that there was a storm coming. Knowing that. I mean, mean, Jesus knows everything, right? God knows everything. So I begin to think about it. Why would Jesus send his disciples on a task that would be virtually impossible knowing that the storm was coming? god always has a reason why when he does something so why would jesus cause them to do this why would he compel them why would he force them to go across the lake well there's a lot of reasons i could preach a whole series of messages on that but i want to give you two quick reasons one of them is that god lets us struggle so that we might see that we have nothing in ourselves to rely on literally that it, it, it it's it's when you get in between the rock and a hard place that you become aware of your own lack of self sufficiency, your own weakness, your own ability to do anything i don 't know if you 've ever been there, uh, probably you probably have. I know I have many, many times where i 'm thinking god what what are you, what are we going to do? what happens here and god 's trying to teach us something so Jesus after feeding think about this Jesus after feeding the five thousand. But what happened prior to that? First, he tells the disciples to feed the 5,000 plus, okay? They respond, they don't have the means to do it. Then Jesus says, feed them. And they said, Jesus, even if we could, it would take a year's worth of wages to be able to pay these people. And, and uh, so, I mean, they came up with every excuse there was. And so Jesus takes the little that they have and he multiplies it to feed the thousands with leftovers and now he sends them across the lake he compels them to do that and i think he wanted them to he wanted to see whether or not they had learned everything learned anything from the previous experience that jesus had done the impossible okay jesus does the same thing in our lives today I know when I first came to Christ it was during the hippie movement it was during the time when everybody was peace and love and and everything's it's gonna be a, everything you know they used to say Jesus is the greatest high I mean I lived in California in, in the valley of California near Berkeley I was in the middle of Berkeley riots when I was growing up I mean I, I saw all the rebellion that took place it, I mean, Haight-Ashbury was the center for LSD and everything else. Every, everybody was tripping on something. And the idea was that, you know, Jesus is the greatest high, you know. And, and I can tell you this, that after great victories, revelation-type events, incredible things, Jesus is going to test us. No, nobody told me that when I came to Christ, I just thought Jesus was going to be a constant high. But if anybody's been on a high, you know what happens. There, there's going to be a low. There's going to be a come down. And nobody warned me of that. And, and, and I thought Jesus is just going to make everything all right. You know, everything's going to be great. But God will, it, it's in those moments of insufficiency in and of ourselves that we humble ourselves and realize that we cannot do anything without God the second thing is that God lets us struggle so that we might see the reality of who he is listen to me my friends there is a difference between some knowing something mentally and knowing something in the very essence of your being Paul wrote to Timothy in second Timothy 1 and 12 he says that is why I am suffering as I am Yet I am not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. It's in the storm where the revelation of who he is will come to you. It's in the storm that you will have your spiritual understanding awakened or open, because I want to tell you that the revelation truth does not often come to us when we are comfortable revelation doesn't come into our hearts not always when when everything is going just fine revelation does not always come when our refrigerators are full and our bank accounts have a surplus the revelation of god does not always come when everybody's treating us the way we want to be treated the revelation of the spirit of god does not always come when everything is explainable and we are happy as we can be what I do know is that the revelation of the divine truth comes when we struggle and come to the end of ourselves. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word, that phrase, poor in spirit, means literally bankrupt. Bankrupt in the spirit of who they are. Not bankrupt in God, but bankrupt in themselves. It's an understanding That we have nothing within ourselves to accomplish the task, fill the need, or make it happen. The man we used to work for in his ministry years ago, he was known as a great teacher of faith and traveled around the world. And we saw great things happen, great miracles happen. I've seen skin cancer just disappear instantly blind eyes open up deaf ears open up i mean it was incredible the things but he would say this over and over again he said me in myself i can't get a sick cat healed he understood that it was the divine revelation of truth that was in him was not because of him or who he was or what he had It was because of Jesus. It is in the storm that God reveals himself to you in a way that is unknown to you. It is the place where God becomes real in a new way in your life. The Lord woke me up early, early, early in the middle of the night. And he said, do you remember what I told you the first Sunday of 2016. I'm like, me, I'm like, God, I don't remember what I ate for breakfast. I mean, or lunch, you know. I mean, I know what I ate for breakfast because I cook the same thing almost every day. But I mean, I don't, remember, I don't remember yesterday. I don't remember last week. And you're asking me January of 2016. And so uh, <clears throat> I, I had to go back and look through some notes. And I went and searched, and, and I preached a message titled, A New Thing, Are You Ready For It? And I stated in that message how I had been impressed for several weeks prior to that, that the Holy Spirit was saying, quote, there is a shift coming in the near future, unquote. The next week, I kept hearing that word shift, shift. Everywhere I looked, everything I, every, it is. I couldn't. I just everything I read. Every, it is, it's like I saw signs. I saw advertisements that had the word shift in it. It was like the Holy Spirit was just like saying shift, 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 shift. And you know, so I began thinking about that. And there's a there's a lot of ways that the word is defined. But there was one way in the dictionary that God was defining and using it. And it means to move from one place, position, direction to another or to put something aside and replace it by another or to exchange it. That's what he was saying. And I I sensed and I, I went on and said... That I sense that God was saying, I am preparing to do a new thing in the earth. And what I mean by that is that He was saying, I am getting ready to replace or exchange a new thing in the earth. See, a lot of times when we think of a new thing, we think it's brand new, off the line, never seen before. <clears throat> but in this thing, this definition, it means to to set something aside or to replace it or to exchange it. So I went to the Scriptures and looked in the Scriptures again, and there's a lot of Scriptures there, but the one that comes to mind immediately is from Isaiah 43. And it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth shall you not know it the word know there is a hebrew word that has a dual meaning okay the f- the first thing is it means to ascertain by seeing what do i mean by that in other words we learn by seeing by watching for example many years ago um i was in the restaurant business i owned i own several restaurants and um I found that teaching employees how to do something was not as beneficial as teaching employees what not to do. Let me explain why. Because you teach somebody to do something a particular way, and then they got in their mind that they got a better way to do it or a better idea, not understanding that doing it that way will cause a problem. And so what I found was We actually put a video thing together. I would make employees watch of things you do not do. That took away the excuse of anyone saying, well, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And so this word to know means by observation, the ability to discover and learn actually takes place. And then when you learn, by watching by seeing it happen you're able to turn the right determine the right action method or direction by this learning process okay <clears throat> so the word to know means to ascertain by seeing but it also has another meaning and it means to know by embrace knowledge comes by touch and this word here to know in the hebrew like this is is uh, in the manner with which a total of giving of oneself, like in a husband and wife relationship, the knowing is by total embrace. It's not a long-distance relationship. It's a total embrace, the total accepting of one another. And so the Lord says in Isaiah, shall you not know it? I believe that he was saying to us, and he's saying to us today, do you want to know it? Do you open, are you open to a new thing? Are you open to an exchange? Are you open to a setting aside and replacing with something else? Are you willing to embrace it? The Lord is saying, I am going to do a new thing. Will you choose to see, observe, and learn from it? Will you embrace it? Will you receive it into your life? I believe that God says he's going to do a new thing. When he says that, it's not what he's going to do as far as the miraculous. I believe that it has everything to do, that it's in direct correlation to his relationship with his people. To you and for me see when god says i'm going to do a new thing will you not see it will you not know it will you not embrace it he's saying you cannot be spectators you're gonna to have to be a participator and embrace what's going on see god wants to imprint it in our hearts he wants to take the new thing and work it in us. It's, it's not a new fad. I, I'm so sick of fads. I've lived long enough to see them come and go, come and go, come and go, come and go. And it's the same thing. Put a different cover on it. Call it something else. But I know what it is. I'm not talking about a new fad. I'm talking about something that's far more than just a sensation or a novelty. It's, it's something that's abiding And it's durable. And it will cause itself to arise and come into existence in our lives and in our thoughts. It will be something that is workable and practical for us. So with that said, let me get to the main part of my message. I know you're probably thinking, there's more? There's more. A week ago this past Wednesday, April eighth, I came over at about four thirty AM and unlocked the church and turned the lights on and put some music on and flipped a couple lights in the sanctuary on for any men we have a time between five and six for men to come and pray. I never know who's gonna come or whatever, <clears throat> but I was just up already. I I was up er, like early, early. So I went and made my coffee and and big mug and came into the sanctuary. And I literally just sat. I I, I usually walk. But lately I've just been sitting right there on that corner. You can't see it, but that's where it's at right there. And I just began to pray. And that morning I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. It was... By that time, it was 20 minutes to 5, time before anybody was supposed to come. But I wasn't going to sit around and wait. I I just felt impressed to pray in the Holy Spirit. So I took a sip from my coffee cup, covered it back up, and began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And within 10 minutes, a, a weight of intercession came on me That I I don't know how to describe it. It just was a weight. It came on me. And I began to rock back and forth, back and forth, praying in the Holy Ghost. And suddenly I began to weep and I began to cry. Usually when I pray, I don't weep and cry, I pray. But again, to weep and cry. And and after a while, I, I, I don't know if anybody was here. I was oblivious to that. I got up. And and I couldn't sit there anymore, and I wanted to walk, but I felt such a weight I couldn't even hardly walk. And I came up here on the platform to this pulpit, and I draped myself across this pulpit like this. And I just began to sob and began to cry and began to weep and cry. And I was trying to pray, but I, I couldn't get the words out for the sobbing and crying that was coming out of my heart. And as I I laid across this pulpit praying, this weight, it just became so heavy on me. And it was then that the Holy Spirit began to bring to remembrance prophetic words that he's given to our congregation, our church family here Warning us that there was a shaking coming. Warning that there was things going to happen in the church. And I have copies of those. I've shared a few of those. But late, late last night, the Holy Spirit said, Do you remember what I told you the beginning of January of 2016? So I'm searching my computer. I have gigs and gigs and gigs of, of videos. And I'm like, God, you got to help me here. And so finally I came across a worship service, a message and worship service and everything, and found this, and I'm going to play this for you, so I want them to be able to put it up so you can see and hear this, because I believe it was specifically for the hour in which we are living right now. Here. Even now, the world swells with anxiety and confusion as the waters cover the sea there's a there's a coming of a fear upon the peoples of the earth for the unknown is much greater than they could ever imagine and the powers that be are working feverishly to try and bring water Yet underneath the surface of it all, I am being, I am bringing a new work. For there's a spirit of revelation coming unto the church. And I am opening eyes that have been dim, And I am opening ears who have been soft to hear. That they might hear clearly and they might see clearly in these days. For in my people... I am raising up a hope. I am raising up a faith that is unshakable in times of shaking. For you will come to know me as your God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. In your present state, you believe that you have already arrived to that place. But there are days that are coming that will cause you to stretch. And cause you to reach out. And there will not be into a place of emptiness. It will not be into a place of fear or darkness. But I am there. I am calling you. I'm calling you to that place. Understand what I am saying. Take heed to what my spirit is saying to my church in this day and you will know me as your God, the one who provides, the one who delivers, the one who will even transport that which you need into your midst which seemingly out of nowhere. I will cause those who are far away to come home again, says the Lord. I will move in your midst in a way that you have cried for and that you have longed for. Open your eyes and see for the wind is shifting. It is moving from one direction to another direction. And the wind of my spirit is bringing fresh breath unto my church it is bringing fresh revelation knowledge unto my church it is bringing a fresh understanding that you have not had up to this day but the days ahead may look bleak to the world But those of vision and those of understanding will see it in a new way. And they will not see the things that are happening in the world as the end all. But they'll understand that that is only the means in which the end, my coming, will happen. I am moving. I am working. My word has gone forth. It shall not be stopped. It shall not be stopped that which I have decreed will come to pass I am calling you I am calling you to be a part of what I am doing in the earth I am doing a new thing will you not see it? will you not embrace it? will you not receive it? will you not get in it? I lay across this pulpit crying and weeping, the Holy Spirit instantly brought this text that I read earlier from Mark's Gospel. And as I continued to cry and began to pray, I saw the words like going before my eyes and then I understood what the travailing in the Spirit was about on me that morning. And I'm going to try to explain it in the simplest way. I mentioned that Jesus had sent his disciples knowingly across the water, knowing that storm was coming. My beloved, beloved, I want to tell you, this pandemic, this event that is taking all over the world did not catch God unaware. But it did catch the majority of of his church, at least in America, unaware. See, if there's one thing that he showed me that Wednesday morning and that I've learned, I was learning, but he made clear to me that Wednesday morning that one thing is that most Christians in America are not prepared for what's coming. My friends, I just, I'm, I'm not a prophet, but I'm telling you, That what's taking place right now is nothing compared to what's coming down the road. Just like the disciples, Jesus sent the present day church into the storm. For what reason? I said it earlier, that Jesus always does everything with purpose. What would be the purpose? And I believe with all my heart that at least two things that I talked about was this to expose the church's true need and to reveal who he really is. Unfortunately, you know, listen to me, because my heart's, my heart's heavy about this, but I, I'm, I'm compelled to tell this message. As ill-prepared as the American church was for the shutdown and everything else, the church has adapted by technological means. Now, I thank God for technology. I'm speaking to you by way of technology. We can, we can teach. I mean, like I said, we, we, you know, our Easter message went all over the world. I don't know how or where they got it, but that, they did, okay? But here's the problem. And it's a problem, and that is this. That the American church has adopted until things go back to normal. And if that's the case, then the church in America will have missed the point of this current storm. Because, see, this storm was a wake-up call to the body of Christ, because the American church preaching the American gospel is not the church that's in the book of Acts. God has given his people an opportunity to pull back and re-examine their lives in contrast to biblical Christianity. About 11 or 12 days ago, there was a 10-hour live stream that went on with uh, Bible teachers and Christian music artist and all kinds of other folks. I didn't watch it, but I just read about it. But out of out, there was a moment in there that one of the, one of the speakers, Francis Chan, he, he, he had a message for believers during that live stream, and the heart of his message was this. He said, to those that were watching, he said, the heart of my message is for you to repent and consider that perhaps when all this is over, we shouldn't get back to church as usual, life as usual. And his quote was, what if God is taking us to a different place? Speaking of the unprecedented nature of the times in which we're living, obviously, shutdowns from all over the world. There were people who were on the live stream from this country and this nation and this country and all talking about everything that they were facing. He went on and made this statement. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm just quoted to it. It's a short statement. He said, God is doing something now that I've never seen in my lifetime, and it feels like we're headed into a new season, unquote. Several days ago, there was an article. I, I was scanning through, um, reading headlines of different articles about different things. I don't usually watch media and stuff like that because of all the bias that's out there. So I pick and choose what, I, what I'm going to read. And I was scanning through, and I had skipped a page, and I came back in my app and, and my, that, that I used. And there was a headline that caught my attention. And here's what it said. Do you want normal or normalcy. Now, I know you're probably thinking, what's the difference? Well, I'm gonna put it up on the screen for you. This is what the article is saying Normalcy is a restoration of the rhythms and relationships found in gathering together as the church once again. Normal is a restoration of the habits and practices of doing church as it was pre COVID 19. So, in other words, he's saying, Normalcy is about being the church. Normal is about attending church, okay? And so, over the past several weeks, I've I've seen more pastors on social media and the news and places like that that they have been fretting, they have been up in arms, they have been preaching against uh, government overreach and. The squashing of freedom of religion and all of those things. And my friends, please don't get me wrong. I love this country and I thank God that I was born in the United States. I thank God I have the ability right now to stand here and preach to you without any fear of retribution. I have been in countries for days and weeks at a time where the church is illegal and being caught means instant a prison sentence. And I, I, I mean, I, I could tell you story upon story upon story of the things that we had to do to keep, because we were constantly being watched by people in the government. And, and so we couldn't go as groups. We couldn't, we, we, everything we had to do was in secret. We even had to watch the words that we said just to say Christian or Bible could land you in a jail cell. And so... Uh, don't get me wrong, I thank God for the r- religious freedoms that we have. But this pandemic, this event, this whatever you want to call it, you know, there are conspiracy theories that the government's doing this to punish the church and everything. Listen, I believe with all my heart that this pandemic, this event, this shutdown, whatever you want to call it, is less about religious freedoms. And more about God calling his church to repent. In 2 Chronicles 7 13 and 14. We always quote 14, we always skip 13. But it's, God is speaking here, and he says, When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain, that's a drought. Or when I command locusts to devour the lands. Go look in the news. There's a whole new hatch of locusts. They said it's three times larger than the original hatch and is destroying everything across the African continent, into the Middle East, over into India, Pakistan. He says, when I command that, or send pestilence on my people. Come on now. You know, I mean, God is saying, when I do these things, then he goes to verse 14, if, say if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, as." As I was here in the sanctuary that Wednesday morning in in prayer, there was a great awareness. I cannot explain this to you, but it was like all of a sudden I felt the heart of God and the perspective of God in this. And I realized that if the church in America misses this moment, this wake-up call, what will come next to try and get our attention? Because God is a merciful God, and he consistently tries to get a hold of his people and wake them up. But every time he has to do it, he increases the, the shaking, so to speak, if I can put it that way. If we miss this moment, it's like the politicians say, never, never, fail to take hold of a good crisis, you know, the benefit of a good crisis. It was like the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me. He was saying, if the church misses this moment and miss the understanding and revelation of what this is about, it's not about religious... Persecution. Because my friends, that's coming. Jesus said it will come. Why are we why are we thinking about that? In fact, the prophecy we listened to earlier, he it said, he said, it's this is not the end all. That which was coming was not the end all. But what was coming, he said, is that which will be bring about the end, which is the coming of his son. I recognize that God can multitask. I recognize that. But God's dealing with his church. He's also trying to get people in the world's attention. Bible reading has gone up... Bibles are going off the shelves. People are looking to the word of God, and I praise God for that, but the focus is not about religious persecution. It's not whether it's going to come. It's really when it's going to come. It's really about if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and repent, then God says, I will hear from heaven. So as I wept and cried that morning, I realized that if the church in America misses this moment, what what would be the consequence? What would be the cost? And I wondered, if they miss this, will it be the beginning of the great falling away that the Bible speaks about? But there's a second thing, and I'm almost done. And that is, I had never noticed how Mark's account of Jesus walking on the water differed from Matthew and John's account. Go back to verse 48. Look what it says. He saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them In the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea and I've underlined it and put it in yellow and would have passed by them. One translation, the Living Translation says and his intention was to pass by them. I'd never seen that before. I'm like, God, when did you put that in there? (laughs) Even in the midst of the storm and in the midst of, of, of the disciples struggling, Mark tells us that Jesus was walking on the water and passing right by them. So what made the difference I went back and I looked and what made the difference and in verse 49 it says this but when they saw him walking on the water they cried out in terror now the Bible says that they cried out in terror thinking that he was a ghost. But the key was, was I, was I was laying here crying and weeping and, and praying in the spirit and just blubbering like a baby. Holy Spirit was like saying, do you see, do you see, do you see? And all of a sudden, I realized it says they cried out in terror. Now, they, they cried out in terror because they thought he was a ghost, okay? Now, why would they do that? Because walking, walking on the water is not an everyday thing. All right, they'd never seen that before. There was no stories of anybody even doing that before. So it was a new thing, all right? But as I was praying and, and just interceding, I felt the Holy Spirit saying there was a need for the church to cry out, not in fear for uh, of the virus, not in terror of becoming ill, but in crying out in a reverent fear Of missing the opportunity to position ourselves for the next move of God. I want to challenge you this morning with a warning and a challenge. Because God said, he woke me up early, early in the middle of the night and said, don't let them off the hook. I said, Lord, what do you want? He said, warn them first. Warn them. So here it is, Holy Spirit spoke to me, you're gonna to have to advance it, you've changed the setting back there. The warning is this, God may be doing a new thing, but it can blow right by us, Jesus intended on walking past his disciples in the darkest moment of the night, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of their inability to get anywhere. And we can miss it because it calls for our participation and he will never force that on anyone. I I, feel, I felt impressed this morning to make a statement and it's somewhat shaky to say but I know it was of the Holy Spirit I don't I don't know how when where but I know it's coming and it's coming soon but there is going to be a school of the Holy Spirit training center right here in Lafayette because God said the church must get ready for what's coming. I wish I had time to elaborate even more Maybe Wednesday night, maybe Sunday and next week. I don't know. Maybe some other time during the week. I will But I'm telling you He's saying warn them that in that he is about to set aside or exchange or change the the way we understand Just as walking on the water had never been seen just as the breaking of bread and fish and multiplying had never been seen God said I am getting ready to do things that you have yet to witness The prophecy we listened to earlier says you think you know You think you have an understanding you don't have a clue what God is getting ready to do My God is so great. I'm telling you. He's getting ready to do something church. But we have to wake up and understand if we're not careful we will instead of normalcy we want normal and normal won't do it god will walk right past you in fact as i lay here that morning crying i saw those words and would have passed them by And I saw Jesus walking by, and I felt a twinge in my heart sing, and I began to cry out, Lord, don't pass us by! Don't pass us by! Don't pass us by! God, we're calling on you this morning. We're calling on you. Do not pass us by! so that's the warning what's the challenge God wants us to cry out and embrace his new work it's one thing to just say yeah God that's cool I want some of that no 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 my friends he wants us to cry out He wants us to embrace, to know, with an understanding that comes from an intimate walk with him. See, God is going to do such a work. This was just impressed on my heart. God is going to do such a work that people will no longer praise him for the things of the past. Because they're going to be too busy praising him for the things that he's doing right now. It's sad when you ask for testimony and somebody has to go back two years, five years, 20 years to something God did. Because God is the God of now. There's a move of God, and it's already moving across the earth. You think the virus spread fast. I'm telling you, there's a wave of glory coming across the earth that cannot be stopped, will not be stopped, but it might just pass you by unless you cry out to him like the disciples in the boat who cried out and said, Jesus! Jesus! And when they cried out, it says, he came to them. And when he came to them, they witnessed something else. This storm instantly ceased. And they looked at one another and said, who is this man who speaks to the wind and the waves and they obey him? That's the Jesus that he's trying to reveal to the church in this hour. It's time for us to begin to cry out. It's time to us to begin to declare to God, I'm ready for a new thing, a new work. God, get everything out that doesn't belong. Take everything away from me that doesn't belong. God, I just want you. I do not pass me by. Do not walk by me. I don't care if anybody else goes with me or not. Don't you pass me by. Here I am. I'm an open book. Do whatever you got to do, God. Here I am. We need to cry out, Jesus, hear me, Father in heaven, hear me. Do a new thing in my life that everyone around me, my family, my friends, my co-workers, my community, my associates, they will know, God, it's you, because it's such, such a work, and there'll be such a passion for my life for you, Jesus. I challenge you right now God's doing a new thing in the earth and it's coming your way are you ready to embrace it we're going to pray right now right now right in your home wherever you are you may be listening to this while you're working doesn't matter where you are I want you to pray right now I want you to cry out as if your life depended on it. God, here I am, I cry out to you, Jesus. Search the very corners of my life, everything about my life, I hold nothing back from you. God, Holy Spirit, shine in the darkest recesses of my heart. If there be any sinful way in me, reveal it that I might cry out and repent, Lord God. How dare we ask for grace when we fail to, uh, to repent. But God, if we repent, you said, then I will answer. Then your grace is unfolded. Then your mercy comes in waves. And then, Lord God, as our heart is made right, we are able to speak with a boldness and a confidence that, God, you are... God, and there's none like you in all the earth, and not only because we believed it in our heads, but we know it in our hearts, and we see you working all around us. That God, instead of us being spectators, we become participators in the kingdom of God. That God, we leave every time we leave our house. Every time that we pick up a telephone, wherever we are, we are a messenger of the kingdom. We come representing the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are ready to declare that his kingdom come and his will be done in earth as it already is in heaven. Jesus revival.
1: Come awaken your people Come awaken the city God of revival Pour it out Pour it out Every stronghold will crumble Hear the chains hit the ground God of revival, pour it out, pour it out Come awaken your people, waken the city God of revival, pour it out, pour it out Every stronghold will crumble Hear the chains hit the ground, Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken, your people, come awaken the city. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every strong will crumble hear the chains hit the ground oh god of revival pour it out pour it out
2: headed this way. The glory of God as the waters cover the sea is headed this way. I'm just telling you it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. Heavenly Father, we just pray let your Holy Spirit work in us That we might see with observation, we might touch and know, and may we might fully embrace that which you have for this hour. For we are living in the last days, and the structure per se that man has built is not a last days church structure. Last day church structures going back to the first day structure of the church. We got, it. we got to get it in our heads that it's not about us and what we like and what we prefer. It's about you and what you have said and what you are doing. Your word says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not see it? Will you not know it? Father, I decree from my own life, for the years that I have left, and as long as there is breath in my lungs, I say, God, do it. Do it in me. Bring it across our land. Do it in our churches across America. God, bring a great awakening once again, but it will come, Father, in a fashion unknown to us from the past. History will not necessarily be the guide of of how it comes. It will be the Holy Spirit who is our guide, who speaks and leads and directs and how it will come and what it will look like. God, I have repeated every week that I promise you that when it comes, when it begins happening, when we when, when the, the overflow begins pouring out, we will not manhandle it. It will be God-handled, and we'll step back. Let the river flow, and we'll just step into the river. Have no desire to control or direct or build conduits to to some man or some organization. It's about you, God. It's about you, Jesus. It's about you, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, do it again. As you poured out on the day of Pentecost, let there be another great outpouring in 2020, Lord God. As unexpected as the day of Pentecost was and the outpouring in the upper room, let it come like that, Lord God. But let us prepare ourselves for it by saying god empty us of everything we get rid of egos get rid of agendas get rid of preconceived notions and mindsets and ideas about the way it should be or what it's going to look like we are our own worst enemy in that regard we, have, we are convinced we know what it should look like. And you or God are saying, my ways are so much higher than yours. You don't have a clue. You're not telling me how to do it. I'm going to do it my way. You just step back and watch. Get into it. So God, I pray that for Life Church. I pray that for Lafayette and surrounding area. God raise up a remnant whose heart right now. I want to tell you, church, there's a remnant being raised up in this time of, of, of shutdown, of, of social distancing, whatever you want to call it. There are those who have been sitting week after week after week on chairs and pews and, and churches all across our area who have been listening to what people are saying. But the Holy Spirit has gained their ear, and he's speaking to them even now. And there's something rising up on the inside that is saying there must be more. And God, I know this. You are more than enough. You are more and then some. So I speak blessing over your people today. I pray that this word goes into their hearts and seizes us our control of their thoughts and intents in every way. And they're saying every day, several times a day, God, do a new work in me. Do a new thing in me. Let me see it. Let me embrace it. Let me take hold of it. Let me know it intimately, Lord. I pray this over them. I thank you, Father, again for providing for those in need in the body of Christ. Minister to them manna from heaven. Bring provision from places they would, the least of which they would expect. And we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We miss you. See you soon.